The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C dot com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue our study on the life of David, we've reached the point where we see that David's faithfulness has failed. He stood strong in faith against a giant He stood strong in faith against a lion and a bear. But when King Saul sought to kill him, he lost his nerve and ran scared, resorting to deceit and subterfuge to try to preserve his own life. Today, we're going to look at some of the roots of his faithlessness. We're going to see one of the problems he had was a low opinion of himself. That may sound like a really strange thing for a primitive Baptist preacher to say, because we understand as primitive Baptists just how depraved we are. We are sinners in the sight of a God of justice, and we have no standing whatsoever within ourselves. But children of God don't have to dwell upon their own depravity when they've been born of the Spirit. In fact, God doesn't intend for us to wallow around in the sinfulness and sorriness that we are, but rather He intends for us to live like we are sons of God. He intends for us to live like we're the child of the king that we are. David saw himself as unworthy to be the son-in-law of the king. He saw himself as unworthy to partake of some of the blessings that had been granted him. And perhaps that's one of the roots of his faithlessness. We're going to see that today and remind ourselves that our position in Christ is such that God sees us as holy as Christ himself, not because we are holy within ourselves but because we've been made holy by the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us today as we continue to look at the life of David, a man after God's own heart, and we explore some of the roots of the faithlessness that he fell into because of a wrong way of thinking. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Hark the voice of love and mercy sound. 
to a man who was a, a warrior, who was a poet, who was a sweet psalmist of Israel. We've been dealing with him for some time now, off and on. From time to time we go somewhere else. But the last time we dealt with David, we were in the 18th and 19th chapters of 1 Samuel. And we had talked about how David, the anointed king of Israel, in the place of Saul, had lost faith in God to protect him from that which was about to assault him. And if, if you remember in the, uh, uh, the 19th chapter, in uh, uh, the uh, 8th through about the 17th verses, you can read that sometime and you'll recall that when Saul sought to slay David, instead of trusting in God to deliver him as he had in the past, David's faith began to fail. And some would say, well, 
that's kind of appropriate. The king was coming to the palace to get him. The king was coming there to take him away. But Michael, his wife, who was the king's daughter, King Saul's daughter, had given David some unwise counsel and he took it and Michael and David got together and concocted this plan uh, where that David would be let down through a window and Michael would fix the bed as if David were still there and then lie about it when Saul came to, uh, to get David. And so you say, well, that seems pretty, pretty normal, pretty natural thing to do. And it is a natural thing to do. If the king gets after you, you flee. You say, surely if he hadn't fled, that Saul would have killed him because God can't really protect him in the palace, can he? Well, then you, you may recall we read the last few verses of chapter 19, which I love those verses. I love that account where David fled to Ramah where Samuel was. <laughs> and, uh, and he told him all that was happening to him and, and how Saul was after him. And then Saul found out he was down at Ra in Ramah with Samuel. So Saul says, I'm going to go get him. You say, well... Now's the time for Saul, uh, for David and Samuel to flee, right? <laughs> no, Samuel didn't flee. Samuel knew the Lord would take care of things. And if you remember, I love that story where they sent a company down there. They sent messengers to take David in verse 20. And when they saw the company of the prophets <laughs> prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over, over them, the Spirit of the Lord was upon the messengers of Saul. And they prophesied. <laughs> You know, they, the, these warriors that, that, that Saul sent to take David and, and probably going to get Samuel too or kill him maybe, <laughs> when he goes down there to get him, you know, these warriors <laughs> go down there and they start preaching. <laughs> they start preaching. You know, and these, this is a, one situation, brother buddy, where men that weren't called to preach, preached, okay? <laughs> this is one place where they did it, okay? And it says, okay, well, Saul heard about it, and he sent more messengers. And they went down there, and next thing you know, these messengers start prophesying to him. <laughs> so Saul said, well, this time I'm going to take care of things. If you want to do something, you want to get something done and done right, you've got to do it yourself. <laughs> so it says, verse 23, he went thither, that's Saul, went thither to Naoth, uh, in Ramah and the spirit of God was upon him also and he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah it hit Saul way before he got there and all the way on the journey to where from wherever it hit him to, to the place where David was he was prophesying and preaching and look at verse 24 I love this this is, I, I believe I know God has a sense of humor it says in places he laughs okay he said and he that is Saul stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in a like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night wherefore they say is Saul also among the prophets so the big king comes down and the big king is going to do it himself and he gets there and not only does he prophesy he gets naked and prophesies you know now that's kind of an unusual thing wouldn't you say <laughs> that's not something you see normally and uh, and so uh, uh, and the point I'm making here is is that that David in losing his faith there in his lapse of faith he didn't trust God to take care of him. And, and God just sort of showed him. I, I, the Lord said, you know, and I don't think David didn't get it now. Understand, we're going to read a little more about it today. <laughs> David didn't quite get it yet. But God just showed him, hey, I got this. <laughs> I got this. And David did not have to flee, I believe, like he did. So what happened to David? What happened to David? What were the roots of David's faithlessness? Well, I think there's two or three things we need to look at here and maybe we can cover some other ground as well in the life of David here to show us how God delivers him eventually. 
first thing I think that we see is that he forgot God's promises. He forgot God's promise. Even before fleeing Saul, we detect a lapse in David's faith. If you look back in chapter 18, and we're not going to try to read the whole thing here. I encourage you to, to read these chapters because you'll get a blessing out of them, and you'll understand the message better when you do that. But notice in verse 17 of chapter 18, Saul said to David, Behold my elder daughter Mirab, her will I give thee to wife, only be thou valiant for me, and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, Let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. Now, stop right here and just remind you that one of the benefits, one of the benefits pack, part of the benefits package for killing Goliath, including included that Saul would give one of his daughters to the man that killed Goliath. And so, uh, so this is sort of a fulfillment of that benefits package that God said, I'll give to, you, to that man. And David is the man that did it, of course. But you also want to notice something here that, that uh, Saul was a little bit disingenuous, was he not? He really wasn't sincere with what he was doing here. He had an idea here that he was going to, okay, I'm going to give him my daughter. But, you know, in those days, in order to marry someone, you had to have a dowry. You had to make payment, essentially, prove your worthiness in a sense, or just, uh, you know, be, be, um, be prepared to deliver some something of monetary value or some, of some sort. And so here we see Saul says, okay, here's my older daughter. I'm going to give her to you. But you've got to fight for me. You've got to be valiant in the Lord's battles. And Saul says, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. Now, now we all know one of the defining events in King David's life is the adultery with Bathsheba and subsequent murder of Uriah. And how was it that David murdered Uriah? He didn't lift his hand against him. He sent him off into the heat of battle and had the others withdraw from him, and the enemy killed him. I wonder, are the roots of that plan, are the seeds of that plan planted here in David's mind with this? Because I know David figured out what Saul was up to. There's no doubt David was uh, behaved himself wisely in many ways. Saul said, let's let the enemy kill him. I'm going to let the enemy kill my, en my enemy here. And, uh, and, and that sort of was his plan. But now, look, look at what David says, though, in verse 18. Now, now, perhaps David was being a little cautious, but, you know, David was a very sincere guy. I, I don't really read many places where David was able, for at least for long periods of time, to maintain a deceptive uh, plan. You know, he, he was always sincere, and I believe that was one of the differences between him and Saul. David would ultimately be honest with himself and with God and with the people around him. And notice what he says here. David said unto Saul, Who am I? And what is my life? Or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king. Now notice what he's saying here. He's saying here, You know, I'm not worthy to be in this position. I, you know, you're king, you're giving me your daughter and... and I'm just really not worthy of that. And then, you know, the rest of the story is is that Saul actually um, should have given Merab, his oldest daughter, to David, but didn't, gave her to someone else. And then in verse 20, we read that Michael, his, his, I believe it's his youngest daughter, loved David, and that pleased Saul. And you remember the story there. Saul said, I'll give him to her that she may be a snare to him. 
her own daddy knew something about her <laughs> that, uh, that David apparently couldn't see, or maybe he just couldn't, uh, didn't uh, know how to reject her. But he said, I'll give her, she'll be a snare to him, you know. And that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. And so Saul again said, today you're going to be my son-in-law. But look at verse 22. Well, verse 23, after Saul's servants told him that, David said, seemeth it to you a light thing? To be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I'm a poor man and lightly esteemed? I don't believe this was all false humility on part of David. David is here saying, I don't, I'm not worthy. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to be the son-in-law of the king, but you're, I just don't feel myself worthy of this. I, the service that I'm being called into, I'm just not worthy of that kind of position or that kind of service. Don't we do the same thing? <laughs> Now listen, don't misunderstand me. I know you are a dirty, rotten sinner, okay? <laughs> you know how I know that? Because I am a dirty, rotten sinner. I know every righteousness that you could ever present to God for eternal uh, glory or for eternal uh, justification is nothing but filthy rags. Every one of us is a depraved, dead, alien sinner in the sight of God. But every single one of us that is a child of God is a child of God that was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, He didn't choose you because you're not a dirty, rotten sinner. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the basis of God's choice was, but I know it wasn't based on how good we are. But when He chose us, he chose us for something more than just to go around with our heads hung down talking about what dirty, rotten sinners we are. <laughs> we are he, he didn't say, okay, you are so bad and you are so sorry and I, I just can't tell you how bad you are a sinner. Go out there and think about it the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, that doesn't help anybody, does it? I mean, that doesn't even help the Lord. <laughs> The Lord's not interested in that kind of service. Listen, don't get too big for your britches. I get that. Don't get yourself... He that thinketh he standeth, let him take heed lest he fall. But remember that Ephesians chapter 1, you know, you just can't beat it. He says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We are blessed. Why are we blessed? According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should go around moaning and groaning about how bad we are. No, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Do you know what He sees when He sees you? He doesn't see the dirty, rotten sinner that you are. He doesn't see the depraved, sin-cursed man that Adam made you. He doesn't even see the sins that you committed today because he's forgotten them. He'll remember our iniquities. Austin brought that to us recently. He said, their iniquities will I remember no more. There are consequences for sin. Do you understand that? We're talking about from eternity is God who sits eternally on the throne in heaven. You know, as he looks down, <laughs> as he, you know, one of, the, one of the most beautiful stories I know. You know, he separates the sheep from the goats at, at one point, and, and we read about how the, the goats to the left hand and the sheep to the right hand. You know where Christ is sitting right now? Sitting at the right hand of the Father on high. You know where the sheep are in his mind, in his eternal mind's eye? They're on the right hand. 
You know who he has to look through to see the sheep <laughs> on the right hand? He has to look through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's why, that's why we don't have to go around with our head hung down all the time. Now, as I said, we are dirty, rotten sinners, but we are dirty, rotten sinners saved by the sovereign grace of God. Amen. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You know, um, we all know people that have been adopted. We all know them. And you think about in an adoption situation, how bad it would be if the parents go, let's say you've got parents that have, uh, already have a couple of children, and they said, we're gonna go adopt another child. And how, you know, even in our courts of law, even in our society today, as sin-cursed sin as we are, if those parents took that, that adopted child and brought that adopted child into their house, but then made them live in a house out back, and constantly told that adopted child, well, you're adopted and you're not as good as the child, the children that we've got. And, uh, and, and, and you know, that's, that's kind of the Cinderella story, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that kind of the Cinderella fairy tale that they tell us, you know, about the, 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 the wicked stepmother and the wicked, the two ugly stepsisters? Uh, and, and she kept putting them above <laughs> Cinderella. And you see, that's, we don't like that. <laughs> How, how bad would it be if God says, I'm adopting you and I'm placing you in my family uh, along with my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's bringing many sons to glory. He's not bringing many redheaded stepchildren to glory. You know, that's not, you know, you heard that story say, oh, you treat him like a redheaded stepchild. Pardon me for those of you who are redheaded. I don't mean anything by that at all. But, uh, that, but you know, that phrase we use, they're not treated, we're not treated as second class. You understand? We're not treated as second class in the mind of God. He said in his mind, we are glorified. You see, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I love that. <laughs> One day he's going to appear in the presence of the Lord and say, Behold I and the children thou hast given me. He's not, you know, he's talking about his brothers and sisters. He's the firstborn among many brethren. And in his mind, we're glorified. David here is trying to prove his worth. In verses 25 through 27, we read that uh, Saul says, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make you pay any money, but you've got to go kill a uh, kill hundred Philistines. <laughs> David goes out and kills 200 Philistines in order to prove himself worthy. You know, we do that sometimes, I'm afraid. We try to prove ourselves worthy to God when God says we've already been made worthy. He said we are made accepted in the beloved. You know, sometimes we're trying to achieve our acceptance. I know, I know some people today that uh, uh, one, one person in particular, older, uh, elderly gentleman in a, in a church of another order that has told me one time he's never taken communion at the church that he's a member of. Believes the doctrines of grace like we do, but has never taken communion because he just didn't feel like he was worthy. If that's the standard, then we need to never have communion. You see, because we are not worthy. <laughs> we are not. not it, but we've been made worthy through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in, uh, in Romans 8th chapter, in verse 14, listen to this. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, I'm not going to get into what, uh, I believe this is talking primarily about those that have been born of the Spirit. But, but think about it, when we are allowing our, those that have been born of the Spirit, and we're, those who have already been born of the Spirit, I should say, that when they then let, them, let themselves be led by the Spirit of God, they are indeed the sons of God. You know, sometimes I don't feel like a son of God when I'm not letting myself be led by the Spirit of God, even though I still am. But boy, when I'm letting myself be led by the Spirit, I feel like a son of God. But he said, now listen to this. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And that word Abba there is so sweet. That's, that, that's the equivalent of our daddy, you know. Our dad, you know, father is a very formal term. You may call your parent father, and that's fine. And you may mean it in an endearing way, but in general, father is more formal. But Abba, daddy, is that term of endearment that we can call the Lord, our God, our father. You see, we, we call him Abba, father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. We don't have to earn our self-esteem. We are esteemed by God. That's one of the beauties of the doctrines of grace, child of God. You know, in the works-based salvation, you may be a lot better than me because I may not have been as good as you, you see. That's why the Pharisee could come down to the front of the church and pray within himself, say, I thank you, I'm not like these other folks. I'm much better than everybody else in what I do, you see. Now, the problem with that is, by the way, we all get to doing that. We all get to comparing ourselves among ourselves. Oh, I'm not as good as him, or I, but I'm better than him. You know, the problem is you're going to find those people every time you look. You're going to find somebody you're better than, you're going to find somebody you're worse than. Depending on your mood, you're either going to feel prideful or you're going to feel despairing, you see. <laughs> You can do that. I promise you. It's like, it's like looking for signs. That's one of the reasons we don't look for signs. We don't follow signs. Is you'll find one if you're looking for it. <laughs> I promise you'll find a sign to justify anything you want to do, you know, or to lead you astray, you know. But, see, we are esteemed of God. You know, he, he purchased us with his own blood. Now, now we shouldn't feel ourselves to be valuable because we're not in, innately valuable in ourselves. But we are valuable to him. David here is struggling with this, and David says, I just, I'm just not, you know, he forgot God's promises. I'm just not worthy to be in this position. And I believe that was some of the roots of his faith, faithlessness. And ultimately, he began to manipulate his circumstances to try to get himself where he thought he needed to be, even though he'd already been anointed king. You understand that David here is not the future king. David is the king. Because back in the, the earlier in this, and I believe it's the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, God had stripped the kingship from Saul. Now Saul's still sitting on the throne, but he's lost the unction and anointing from God. And in the, in, I believe it's the 15th chapter. And in the 16th chapter, God sends Samuel to anoint David king, not future king, not heir apparent king. He is currently, as we speak, as he is there slaying these 200 Philistines trying to prove his worthiness to be in the king's family, he is the king. Child of God, you and I are kings and priests before God. 
Because we have been made worthy. We have been anointed by the Holy Ghost. We have been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been chosen by God the Father. And we can take that with us, you see. Not in pride and not in being lifted up, but in confidence and boldness. And I believe that was where the roots of his faithlessness began to, to fail, where his faith began to fail, I should say. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.